Well, we're going to start today with a new series that I'm really excited about, and I look forward to this. We're going to talk about symbols of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. Now, when we, when we think about a symbol, uh, no, Joseph, we're not talking about a drum symbol, right? <laughs> we're talking about symbols, representation. In fact, let's put, um, let's put a logo, which is basically a symbol, on the screen. All right, where are my teenagers at? Come on, don't, don't bail on me. All right, there we go. I know we got some of you out there, some of your 20-somethings. All right, look, this is, this is the symbol for what? There you go. Right on, there's my sister. So, and the idea behind the ghost, what's, the, what's that symbol telling me behind the ghost? Your picture lasts for 10 seconds. It's it, and it's gone. Right? You send somebody a picture, it's there for 10 seconds, it's gone. It's not really gone. We know that it sits on their servers forever because they could be held liable for something. But it's only on your phone for about 10 seconds. Um, and then there's no trace of it. And so it's a ghost. Um, once they send it to you and you look at it or something like that. Um, so there's Snapchat and you can do all kinds of little fun things with it. With logo. What's this? Pacers, right? And you go to the game, and you, hear the, and you hear the, what do you hear when you go to the game? You hear the sound of the Indy 500 race. I need your help this morning. They're race what, cars? Okay, say cars on three. One, two, three. Cars. Race cars, you know. But here's the funny thing. The Pacers aren't named after, you didn't know you were getting Pacer education this morning, did you? The Pacers aren't named after the Pace car. The gentleman who invented the heart Pacer is from Indianapolis, and they're named after Pacemaker, not the Pace car. But what do we automatically associate them with? The Pace car, right? All right, next. Uh, some of you, I just sensed the sigh of really, oh, coffee. This is actually a Babylonian Greek goddess, uh, not a Greek goddess, duh. A Babylonian goddess, um, and uh, they use her image as their logo. And so you could say that going to Starbucks is wor worshiping this Babylonian goddess and her coffee. That's a joke. All right. But soon as you saw it, all of you, most all of you, sensed something. Oh, I wish you guys would get that way about church. Oh, it's Sunday morning. Oh, Right? I get my Jesus on. Right? Okay, let's go one more. Oh. It's either the happiest place on earth or it's the most disdained place on earth, and it just depends on how extroverted you really are. Right? And so you see that, and I know some of you that are hardcore fundamentalists are like, yeah, now they're like the spawn of Satan. And then some of us are like, no, they have really good kid movies, and no, 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 it creates a whole kind of debate. You can't do anything in society today without creating some sort of debate. Anyway, the point is, it's a logo, it's a sign, it's magic, it's dreams come true, it's supposed to be a happy time. Logos and symbols speak to us. You just experienced it, didn't you? You learned a little something about the Pacers, you felt the awe oh, of Starbucks, and you saw the Disney, oh... Right? We all, we all, symbols speak to us. And in the Bible, 
the Holy Spirit is given symbols throughout Scripture that tell us who he is and what he does and how he operates in our lives. And a lot of times when we think about the Godhead, we think of God the Father and the Son, and we get to this Holy Spirit and we're like, who is this? And the Bible says, well, you can know him by how he's symbolized Genesis through Revelation. And so what we're going to do for the next several weeks is look at many of these symbols. The first one that we're going to look at today is wind. Wind describes the Holy Spirit. Wind, I don't know if you've noticed, but wind moves things. Have you noticed that? When you first start off sailing, you sail uh, sails, right, on the ship, what do they do? They catch the wind and it moves the ship. Wind is a source of power. We use that as a source of power. It's used to create electricity, right? Just take, just take a drive up 13 towards Marion, you get towards... Elwood, and you'll begin to see these big turbines, right? Now, the wind is the electricity isn't in the wind, the electricity is created in those big fans and those, and those big turbines and those fans, but the wind is moving them and keeping them moving, and so that's generating power and electricity. So, wind can be used to generate electricity, and wind can be can move things. But have you ever thought about what happens if there's no wind? What happens in our world when wind no longer exists? What if we didn't have wind? You would smell the stench of decay. And L.A.'s smog problem would be far worse. Nobody would live there. Because wind blows it, that, that, that stench, right? If you live anywhere near a farm, you know when the wind shifts. You know, you know when the wind shifts. You smell it. And you're like, oh, I'm downwind, right? And so wind is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And if there is no wind, we would smell the decay, of the earth and the rot of the earth and it would be putrid and so wind comes through and it cleans out the death wind cleans out what's not moving and it and it purifies and it cleans the first place that we come across in scripture is Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 we come across the holy spirit now we're not going to read it you can write it down and go there but it says that the spirit of god hovered over the waters Right? The earth was formless and void and dark. In Genesis chapter 2, it says that he begins to move over this darkness and over this void. And it literally means to move or brush up against. The Holy Spirit begins to brush up against this void and says, no, we're going to do something different. We're going to do something new. And so he begins to generate, and we see him generating, brushing up against. This is the same Symbol used in Deuteronomy 32.11 where it talks about where, where an eagle will brood up against her chicks to get them used to the wind. And so an eagle will, in the nest, begin to begin to get used to the wind so the chicks are used to the movement of the wind. Because one day, mama's going to go get out of the nest. You don't belong here anymore. And they're going to have to be used to sensing where the wind is moving and riding on the currents and knowing what to do. And there's so many analogies in that. 
in our relationship to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, like the wind, as we're seeing a little bit, the Holy Spirit doesn't stand still. The Holy Spirit doesn't stand still. You see, when the Holy Spirit moves in Scripture, almost all the time, when the Holy Spirit moves, it's doing something new. It's doing something fresh. It's doing something different. The Holy Spirit at work feels like a breath of fresh air and a breath of wind. Is the Holy Spirit moving? Our issue becomes because we tend to settle, because we have this thing inherently in us since the fall of man called atrophy and entropy, where we slowly decay and we want to settle into our comfort zones and the Holy Spirit comes in and goes, no, you're not doing that. You're going to be my people and move. And so he, he begins to move in a new way and a new sense of direction and a new purpose and everything becomes new and, it's, and, and at times it's, it's awkward. You know, if I'm the darkness and the void and all of a sudden something appears on the scene and begins to move, it's like, whoa, right? If I'm in the nest with the eagle, according to Deuteronomy 32, 11, I'm the little chick and all of a sudden mom begins to, I'm probably going, oh my gosh, and I'm getting jolted and I'm getting rattled in the nest and it's weird. What's happening? Mom used to just drop worms in my mouth and everything was good, but now she's beating me with the wind saying your time is coming it's time it's going to be time to start moving out of where you've been where you've been and where, what has become comfortable something new and fresh usually means that the holy spirit is up to something the holy spirit may very well be up to something if you're finding things in your life being shifted and changed and Things aren't normal. Things are different. And yet there's this freshness and this newness. And it feels like a fresh breeze on a 100-degree day. And suddenly the wind kicks up. Poof, and it goes from 100 and hot and sweaty and boiling skin. And it goes from that to, what changed? The temperature didn't change. But the wind came. And it felt fresh. And the, here's what I want to tell you. The last thing you want to do is fight that. Because in the process, you're fighting God. And the last time I checked from Genesis to Revelation and even in my own life, fighting God's not really in my best interest. Imagine a sail ship, right? When the wind is moving and they have to get from... I've been reading this, this book about, on Scottish history and the history of Scotland. I know it's riveting for you guys. But one of the things they said is that Glasgow and Scotland became such a, an important port between the east coast of the United States and the Middle East because it was much closer, almost two weeks closer to the coast of the United States than London was. And so ships would go into Glasgow before London because it was so much closer and yet it was, even though it was about a week further away from the Middle East, they could still get to the Middle East because of the compensation time between the Americas, and so it was perfectly situated. And they would ride the wave, they would ride the wave current, but they would also ride the wind current. And when the wind would shift, they would shift their sails and adjust their sails so that the wind would stay in their sails to compensate for the time so they could move faster. You see, when the Holy Spirit moves, we have to adjust our sails. Okay, where's the Holy Spirit blowing and how is he moving? Or I can just say, no, nah, I don't like to go that way. I'm going to pull my sails down and I'll just float along. Here's what I tell you. You'll never reach your destination. At some point, everyone will die in the process because we haven't adjusted our sails to match what the Holy Spirit's doing. 
but it's going to blow me further north. That's fine because it's going to adjust and you adjust your sails. I could, just in studying, the Holy Spirit is constantly moving like the, there's a reason that wind is referenced as the Holy Spirit. So we should be moved by the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit begins to move in a direction that we're not comfortable, we say, it's you, God, anyway. I'm going to adjust my sails, and I'm going to ride the wind. Jesus uses the wind as an example of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, verse 8, this is going to be our primary text today. John chapter 3, verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, all of my free spirits just read that verse and said, yes, I can go, whatever, blow with the wind. And that's fine. Some people have that personality, and that's okay. God's, God's designed that in you. But let's break this down just a little bit. It says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. This is a personality trait of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to go where he desires. You will either get on board with him or you won't. The, he, the, what I have found in my own life is that the Holy Spirit doesn't wait. Does, does wind, Jesus is directly making this correlation between the wind blowing and the Holy Spirit. And he says, does the Holy Spirit wait on you to get on board? Or does it just come in and do its thing and go out? The wind, wind just comes in, does its thing and goes out. And you can either stay where you're at and then have no wind and stay in 100 degree heat and boil and rot to death. Or you go with the wind. And so the wind blows wherever it pleases. He goes where he desires. As I said earlier, ships have to adjust to the wind to get to their destination. If our, if our commission from our leader Jesus is to go make disciples of all men, then we have to say, okay, where are the people? What are they involved in? And how is the Holy Spirit moving and reaching them? Because that's how we have to reach them. And so we adjust our sails to reach people for Jesus. What's the Holy Spirit doing? What's the Holy Spirit doing in my life? What's the Holy Spirit doing in my church? What's the Holy Spirit doing in my neighborhood? What's the Holy Spirit? Because I can tell you this, the wind is constantly blowing. You may not feel it, but it's always moving. The Holy Spirit is always moving. The question is, do you sense it enough to get on board with it? Or are you going to pull your sails down and say, nope, I'll just say I'm going to stay right here because this is where I'm comfortable and I like it this way and this makes sense to me so I'm going to do it this way. And the Holy Spirit has moved on. There's an old song. No, I say old. But it was like a big Christian hit in 1990. It's called Beyond Belief. It was by Petra. Anybody, anybody with me? Anybody got? Yeah, we go. All right, I got some pet heads. All right, so that's just what big Petra fans are called. I was a member of the pet head club. All right. We were pet heads. You had dead heads and you had pet heads. And so, but there's, there's a song called Beyond Belief. And it starts like this. We're content to pitch our tent when the glory's evident. But seldom do we know that the glory came and went. We're content to pitch our tent when we think the glory's evident. But seldom do we know the glory came and went. We think... God's moving here. Yes, let's settle down. Let's pitch our tent and let's drive our stakes in the ground. This is where God's moving. God's like, yeah, I was moving there. You're a little late to the party. I've moved on. 
And then I've moved on, and I've adjusted, and I've changed, and I've done different things. And suddenly, we're left with, why is it so hot out here? Why is it so arid and dry? And we've put our stakes in the ground thinking, this is God, and God's not going to change, and God's not going to do this. This is the way God is. God's like, no, the Spirit moves. He wouldn't give us a symbol of wind if the Holy Spirit wasn't like the wind. And he says, it blows wherever it pleases. And then he says, you hear. You hear the wind. You know, I guess apparently while we were in Florida, there were some really bad storms here. And it seemed like every day at about 3 o'clock, or between 3 and 4 every day where we were at, like clockwork, storms would pop up, come in. And, you know, you might... You ever hear the wind like whistle, right? Or you hear the wind hit the house. Now, a logical person doesn't say, well, that's because the siding, I've got a crack in the siding there, and the wind's blowing through that crack. So it's really not the wind, it's the crack in the siding. It's causing. No, if there was no wind, you wouldn't hear the whistle, right? If there was no wind, I wouldn't have heard the palm trees rustle. The, the wind, you can hear the wind. And Jesus says, you can't see the Holy Spirit but you can hear him moving through his people. You can hear him moving through society. When a surfer goes out to find a wave, with enough experience, they can tell you. Now, I don't have enough experience. I tried to ride rafts in, and I was just hitting every wave. Like, I don't know which wave is big and which wave isn't. But a surfer knows. And the surfer goes, yeah, not this wave. We'll let it pass. We'll let it pass. We'll let it pass. But then suddenly the surfer goes, that wave, and hits it, and they ride it. So many of us, and myself included, get disjointed in our relationship with God that we don't know what is the Holy Spirit moving and what's not. We, we've, lost, we've been out of the wave and the move of the Holy Spirit for so long. We're like, is that the Holy Spirit or is that the Holy Spirit? And Jesus says, you'll know. We, we should be able to sense when the Holy Spirit's moving. We should be able to go, ah, right? So many times in my life when I sense the Holy Spirit moving and I get on that wave, it's like, yeah, this is it. This is the move of the Holy Spirit. And like that wave, it flows. How many has ever been there? Like things in your life, you're like, that was God. And you got on board and it just began to, yeah. And it just begins to move, and it begins to flow. And so Jesus says, you'll hear it. That's the Holy Spirit moving. I can hear it, and I know, and I sense it. You can't see it, but you know it's him. Right? And then he says, you will hear its sound. This is the Greek word, Aku, it's where we get the English word acoustics. The Holy Spirit makes sounds, right? You can, you can hear. If you listen with the ear of your spirit, you go, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. And it's refreshing, and it's powerful at the same time. But here's what I can tell you about the wind. You can't control it. And as long as we want to keep God like this, 
will miss the Holy Spirit every time. Because you can't control wind. You can only harness its power. You can't control the Holy Spirit. You can only harness its power and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through your life, to flow through your family and your home, and move. You think about what it means when Jesus says, you'll hear the sound of the Holy Spirit. We, we just came through and worshiped God with music. And in music, there are different pitches and different notes and different beats and different styles of music and all of these things. And the Holy Spirit at times will be quiet and other times the Holy Spirit will be loud and sometimes the Holy Spirit will, 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 will call you like, high, like a high note, like screeching high note, like, oh, yes, that's it. And sometimes he's really low. And Think about what the word acoustics means. Jesus says you will hear the acoustics of the Holy Spirit. Can you, can you know how the Holy Spirit's speaking to you? Can we hear his voice in our own individual lives of where the Holy Spirit's speaking? That's the question for all of us in this room today. Right? Can you hear? Can you comprehend the sound, the pitches, and the notes of the Holy Spirit? Even without seeing, we can comprehend what the Spirit is doing and where he's going. Right? Without seeing, you can comprehend what the Spirit is doing. I hear so many times, I wish I knew what the Spirit was up to. And I want to say, but you can know. You can know. Sometimes you just have to tune to the right frequency. Sometimes you have to, sometimes, you know, when I'm driving on vacation, one of the things that I do is I just drive in silence. Everybody else has got their earphones in and I shut the radio off and I'm like, I'm just driving. I had 10 hours to myself to think through things and process. People are like, why do you like driving so much? I think that's why. I just had an epiphany up here. You guys glad you just saw it. I think that's why I can drive for 12 hours straight and not worry about it. I think that's why, I, I mean, Sanibel is a 16-hour drive, and I'll drive 14 hours of it because I just, I'm thinking, I'm processing, I'm, I'm churning thoughts and ideas in my head. I think that's why. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Right? You can know. And he says, the Holy Spirit's like a wind, pneuma. And we're going to see this word again in John 20, 22 in just a couple of minutes. But the word pneuma means breath, wind, spirit. Breath, wind, and spirit, pneuma. You, you can sense that. <laughs> All right. Just humor me for a minute. How many of you were married? If you've ever been married or whatever, your spouse will say, like, does my breath stink? Yes, you're like, oh. I'm like, yeah, but you have to be careful how you answer that. But you say, yeah, but I'm like, you know, I'm like a half an inch from you, and, and nobody else getting close to you like that, so you're fine. Anybody ever say that to your spouse? Like, ain't nobody else getting this close to you, so yeah. Like, Are people getting that close to you? Am I the only spouse that doesn't let other people get close to his wife like that? Because you feel that. You, you breathe that in. That, that's, yes, you need a mint. 
Am I the only one that gets subconscious when somebody offers me a mint? Like, you were three feet away from me. Is it that bad? And then I don't know if they're just being passive-aggressive or I really stink. Right? I'm sure I'm going to hear about that one when I get home. But the point, the point is, is that when you're really close to somebody, you can, you can feel the wind that they're producing with their breath. You can, you can feel their spirit. You can sense and you can, you can know that. Right? That's, that is wind. That's producing wind and breath. And then you have the wind that, like, like in Deuteronomy 32, 11, the, the eagle produces the wind with her wings. And then we have a wind in Acts chapter 2, verse 2. I certainly can't let this go. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Here we have the followers of Jesus sitting in a room, terrified because the Roman government just killed their leader. And he said, go wait for me in a room. I'll be there. And they're doing what they're told to do. And then suddenly, the Holy Spirit bursts onto the scene. And he does something to the church that puts wind in the sails of the church. And in Acts chapter 2, we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where they begin to speak in tongues, and people begin to hear their language coming from the disciples. And the people say, and it's in there, it says, wait, aren't these men uneducated? How are they not only speaking my language, but they're speaking my dialect? They're not just speaking English, but they're speaking Cajun English, or they're speaking Eastern Boston English, or they're or they're speaking Midwest English, right? They're, they're speaking my dialect. But they're all saying the same thing. They're all pointing towards Jesus and the salvation. And the Holy Spirit comes in and does something in the Jesus movement that's never been done before. And it's fresh. Now the disciples could have said, whoa, what was this? This is weird. Or they could have went with it. They could have adjusted their sails and said, no, let's go with it. It doesn't make any sense. What is coming out of my mouth right now? I have no idea what's coming out of my mouth right now. This is so awkward and weird. Most of us would be like, I ain't saying that. That's weird. Mm -mm. That's awkward. I can't comprehend. I have no intellectual knowledge of this. And what did we talk about before I went to vacation? Intellectualism does you no good if it's not going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And so they said, okay, I'm going to say this is so weird. Right? And they begin to speak in other tongues. And people hear them. And it's the gospel. And it goes forward. And the Holy Spirit is poured out fresh like wind. We have this same concept. We have this same concept again in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. In Genesis 2, 7, I want you to consider something. In the creation of the world, God creates the elephant and sends it on its way. He creates the ostrich and the bear and the eagle, and he just sends them on their way. He creates their lungs, their breathing, they go. God creates Adam, and he forms them. And there's, there's always something, whether it's in the animal kingdom or with man, God is pulling from the dirt and the dust of the ground and using that 
to create Adam or to create the animals. He's creating these things. But when it comes to the life of man, it's a direct one-on-one between God and Adam. There is no dirt in between. And in Genesis 2-7, it says that he breathed into Adam, and Adam came alive. It never said he blew into an elephant's trunk or blew into the mouth of your beautiful golden retriever. It says that he created the animals, and off they went, because they have something called instinct. But... He directly breathed into the mouth of Adam, and Adam came alive. It tells me something that without the Spirit of God moving through us, we are no more than animals. And that a lot of times a body can lay there and it can be dead with no purpose. And without the Spirit of God blowing through it, it's dead. And so if the church is called the body of Christ, let me tell you, there are plenty of churches that are lying there dead. Oh, they show up every Sunday, they do their thing, and they have their meetings, but they're dead. Because nobody's coming to Jesus, they're slowly dying, and the body is laying there. When God breathes life into a local body, it changes drastically and it begins to do things and move things and begins to call things out and it begins to interact with its environment and it begins to name the animals and it begins to trim the hedges in the garden and take care of the garden like God told Adam and Eve to do. It begins to impact the outside. I just had this discussion with my wife prior to service. I said, have you ever noticed, I think most all human action that I do with my body is all outward. I don't cut myself open and operate on myself. A surgeon has to come do that to me. The body of Christ, most all of its actions should be outward focused because the wind blows in through and out. It goes in through and out of a local body. But when a local body begins to turn on itself and do things for itself, entropy sets in and it begins to die over and over and over throughout all of church history. Local congregations and local bodies die when they begin to do things for themselves. It's the way we are designed. We are designed to grow in the Lord together and move out, and all of our actions are outward focused. Listen, we can have proper form, but without the breath of God, we are dead. Adam was dead until God breathed life into him. But this word in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, is only in the, the Greek Septuagint, is only used one other time in all of Scripture as we come to a close here. It's used in John 20, verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. The word spirit is the Greek word. Numa received the wind and breath of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 22, he says, and with that, he breathed. This is the Greek word emphuseo. Emphuseo, it means to breathe life into. It was used in Genesis 2-7, and it's used in John 20, and it's never used again. Jesus, in meeting with his disciples after the resurrection, blew life into them. He said, now you receive the Holy Spirit. He said, well, I thought they received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. 
They did. They received more of the Holy Spirit. But in John 20, 22, they accept the Holy Spirit. And it's a double meaning. One, it's the point of salvation for them. They receive the Holy Spirit as salvation. The second thing is that it's a promised type or a signpost of what was to come in Acts 2. The disciples now believe in Jesus. They have accepted him as their Lord and Savior. They believe. Then we get to Acts chapter 2, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so in John 20, 22, the disciples were saved. But they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know what, they didn't, I've got this fresh life that literally was just breathed into me by Jesus. I don't know what to do with it. I'm going to go get a room, like he said, and hide out and hide. And that moment in John 20, 22 was not only their point of salvation, but it was a signpost of what was to come. Here's what I want you to understand, that when the Bible refers to wind as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, you can, you can no more make the Holy Spirit fit your agenda than you can make the wind out there fit into a box. You can no more fight against the movement of the Holy Spirit than you can stand out there and try to fight against the wind. The wind will always win. At some point, you will wear down and have to take a knee. The wind creates waves and movements and actions. Do you know the wind changes landscapes? I don't know if you've noticed that. You ever, wind can totally shift an entire landscape. And I think some of us in our lives, the landscape of our lives needs a big shift. It needs a big shift. Our churches need a big shift. Something new, something fresh. One of the symbols that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks is fire. And here's what I want to invite you to do this morning. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask if Aaron and Lori would come down here and if Josh and Beth would come down on this side and as we get ready to close, let's stand up as they come down. And if you're in need of a change of landscape in your life, maybe you've been going through life trying to do things your way. Maybe you've been going through life trying to do it your way, and you just keep hitting the wind of the Holy Spirit, saying the Holy Spirit's going, no, the other direction, no, other direction. I want to invite you to come forward. They want to pray with you that you would yield to the wind and the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you just keep sensing, like, I need to follow Jesus, I need to follow Jesus. That's the wind of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. As we close out in song, if you need a prayer for anything, we want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence today. God, I just lift up every person in this room in the sound of my voice. That, Lord, that they would allow something fresh and something new to blow into their life and allow the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do in their life. 
Lord, we might be like in Acts chapter 2 where we start speaking in tongues and we're like, what, what, is, what is that? What, what is coming out of my mouth? But Lord, if it's you, it doesn't matter how odd or how weird it is. We will yield to the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, in our church, in our families, and in our neighborhoods so that others can come to know you and grow and go out and win others to Christ. Lord, may we never think that the Holy Spirit is for us here on Sunday morning, but that the Holy Spirit is for our neighborhoods and our communities and our towns and our coworkers. The Holy Spirit is for everybody who would believe and that, Lord, we could be that fresh wind and that fresh fire to blow into the work, to blow into their lives, Lord, to blow into the people that we are mentoring. Lord, to the Great Commission, Jesus said, go make disciples. Lord, may we go out with fresh wind and fresh fire and make disciples in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. You guys have an amazing week.